heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. It is Malcolm at eight. Uh, it is the voice of a nation. Welcome in my fellow Americans and to all of our friends around the globe. Uh, welcome into the broadcast today. And I'll tell you, we're all struggling with truth, trying to get truth from our leaders, from our media at large, or the leaders who are running the media at large, the oligarchs, if you will. Uh, you know, we all have read this, uh, I, I believe probably all have read 1984, George Orwell, and when we reference the Ministry of Truth, there's a vision that comes to your mind. Everybody has a vision of what that means, you know, Big Brother. Well, look at some of the words that they used in Orwell, actually, the Orwellian world, Big Brother, the Thought Police, remember that double think? Remember News Speak? And then two plus two equal five, right? I mean, it's kind of what they're pushing today, basically, you know, not really the truth, but what they say is the truth, right? So uh, Orwell used to say freedom is the freedom to say that two plus two makes four. Now think about how simple that is, that statement. For, uh, what a definition of freedom that is. Freedom is the freedom to say that two Plus two make four. That was George Orwell. That quote was. By the way, George Orwell was Eric Arthur Blair. And that was his pen name, George Orwell. That's how it all started, by the way, for those of you. And I've read that book so many times, uh, to be sure, because it's a fascinating book. And it really spotlights totalitarianism. And many of the, it was a brilliant book. One of the most, uh, it, it, it was a famous book of the century that about everybody's read. It's must read for everybody in school. Uh, let's start at the beginning there, friends, and then I want to bring out a couple of special guests today. And uh, let me read you this little piece here. This was from a site out of the UK, Fight and Fate. says, George Orwell's dystopian novel, 1984, There is a Ministry of Truth, which is responsible for propaganda, historical revisionism, culture, and entertainment. Of course, as with the other ministries in Oceania, the name is a misnomer as the ministry's main purpose is misinformation and falsifying historical events so that they agree with Big Brother. It's the place where lies are manufactured. <laughs> All right, so think about what I just shared with you and think about now the historical significance of this moment in time of what we're experiencing in the media landscape, right? In social media and with government officials and bureaucrats and healthcare in all of it, okay? And we've all experienced this. This is why this was really foretelling the future, this 1984 business. Uh, he goes on to say, if Big Brother makes a prediction that turns out to be wrong, the employees of the ministry correct the record to make it accurate. <laughs> the, I mean, does this, is, is this real? Can, I mean, can you hear me? You know, The intention is to maintain the illusion that the party is right, absolute. I mean, we've experienced that with Washington, D.C., and with all the social media and, and legacy media, to be sure. You know, they're all lock and step people. 
You know, it, it, it ends here with this point. The party cannot even seem to change its mind or make a mistake as they would imply weakness. So the ministry controls the news media by changing history and changing words and articles that current and past events so that Big Brother and his government are always seen in a good light. So I got thinking about that a little bit, friends, coming into the program today. And, um, you know, we started seeing years back now the statues being pulled down, right? You've seen a lot of that happening. And you've seen the CRT being pushed in the schools. It was the early signs of things um, back with, uh, well, even even a lot of our cities being torched and things happening with uh, uh, fascists, uh, protests and riots, things of that nature. Well, all of this leads to a really totalitarian uh, point of view here, which is what this Orwell is all about, the Ministry of Truth. You know, and then you remember the uh, Biden administration was was legal, was, we talked about this on the program. They were trying to put a real Ministry of Truth together, remember. We'll talk about that today as well here. Let's open up the broadcast now. I want to bring on a couple of folks now, and uh, I want to start off. And so, uh, first of all, I got a very interesting fellow joining us who was um, actually an Australian. Well, you'll see that from his from his uh, uh, his accent, his voice. My accent, of course, is from Pluto. Uh, Laban Ditchburn is from Australia, but that's that. Let's let's start with Dr. Peter McCullough is here, and I want to start off with him. Uh, Dr. McCullough hardly needs an introduction here, of course, but he is, a, and I never get to say this, but he's an academic internist, cardiologist, and epidemiologist from Dallas, Texas. God, I used to say that in the early days, Peter. Remember? <laughs> so don't don't say that much anymore. Everybody knows you are here at America Out Loud, but. Uh, all right, so when we look at what's transformed, uh, Dr. McCullough, in our world, and you see what we're dealing with now in the media and the oligarchs and who's controlling the narrative, which you and I surely have been central to and talking about here for the last many years, how do you size this up in comparison to Orwell's vision? Uh, he obviously, he had the year wrong, it's 1984, but as to what the future was going to look like, this Ministry of Truth business. Well, I tell you, prescient, that's the word, right? Prescient. And he was picking up on themes, uh, obviously, that he had seen uh, through other periods of totalitarianism and then applying them to the to a future state. And But boy, was it close. I, I mean, it's really uncanny how close uh, some of these depictions are. And um, we're seeing we're seeing a play out. We should pay attention to public statements. You know, today, believe it or not, the, da the daughter of Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab is this, uh, you know, most people cast him as a dark figure, as the leader of the World Economic Forum. That's that's part of this uh, dystopian administrative uh, architecture now. Uh, his daughter says that we're going to go into permanent lockdown. We're going to lose <laughs> all of our freedoms. And she was lathered up saying that. You this know, is what, what she was saying? She, yeah, what, what, what would motivate people, Malcolm? But why was she that? saying that? For what reason would we do that? I, I don't understand. Uh, What's the context? The context, I believe, was uh, you know a wave of infectious disease threats. The fact that we don't need to interact face-to-face -face anymore. That we have electronics wow. and Zoom and all wow. of these things. And, and you've seen, you know, now that COVID... Uh, probably is dying down, although there's been a recent uptick in uh, some case reporting. But we've heard little scares like, oh, malaria is here for the first time in so many years, and an outbreak of leprosy 
and Marburg could come back. There seems to be some lather or some juice into the news cycle about the next infectious disease threat, making mankind feel weak and vulnerable. Yeah. And there could be something on the horizon that would attack us. Do you think these people, Peter, are looking more uh, that uh, they want this to happen? Or do you think some of them are doing this because they have PTSD from what transpired over the past three years? Yeah, you look at some of these pe people now, they've done so well. Look at vaccine frontman, the bowtie doctor, Peter Hotez in Houston, who says he's now at the end of the pandemic, he's worth $35 million. He's received every prize under the sun. People are just are just he's basking in the glory the CNN's casting him as a as a worldwide hero he was nominated for the Nobel prize can you imagine the hubris that these people are are in this in a foamy frothy humorous <laughs> of self indulgence of of uh, continued you know accumulation of wealth look at bill gates he's investing millions in these in these elements in the biopharmaceutical complex getting out billions Return on investment, millions to billions. He did that with BioNTech. There seems to be no limit to the thirst for money and power and influence over others. Yeah. When you started with the uh, the lather and the, the foam and all, I thought you were talking about a latte for a moment, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, on to that. Let me introduce and bring on the program. First time, uh, thrilled to have him on here. Laban Ditchburn joins us now, uh, joins Dr. McCullough and I on uh, uh, let me tell you just a brief bit. Laban is uh, it's a bit of a media personality himself, for sure. Uh, he's an author, an inspirational speaker, and uh, he is, uh, many would consider him uh, the world's best courage coach. And of course, the world is a big place. So that's a big title, Laban. Welcome to the broadcast, Laban. Good to have you here, brother. Gentlemen, it's an absolute honor and thrill, Malcolm. Good to, to, to be with you. And Dr. Peter, good to be with you again. Uh, Laban, give us a sense now coming out of, um, and let me give some context to this. Uh, everybody knows, everybody has a feeling or a sense of what transpired over the last few years uh, with COVID. I mean, it was this was central to the theme of a ministry of truth uh, where there was no truth. It, you were being told what to think, what to say. And if and when you stepped out of line, you were canceled. You were first censored and shadow banned, to be sure, and then you were canceled. And about everybody I know has gone through that in some way, shape, or form. And um, so we all kind of seen what happened. COVID was used as a bit of an exercise for these oligarchs and power elites, globalists, to take control of the narrative and of our lives of the rest of us, if you will, you come out of a place out of Australia and Australia and New Zealand, uh, we're very fond of. They are our brothers and sisters out there, to be sure. I've seen so many correspondence and emails of people who poured their hearts out to us here at America Out Loud from Australia and New Zealand both. Uh, and you're a mix of both. In fact, you call yourself, let me see here, a little bit of Kiwi and Aussie, right? Is that right? Aussie Brazilians, right? Well, I'm exactly half of each. My mother's a New Zealander and my father's an Australian, so I'm bang right down the middle and I, I'm clever enough to hold two passports, one for each country as well, which came in very handy when it came to getting out of the country, I can assure you that much. 
Yeah. Wow. Well, tell, give us a sense now, because right at the end of 21, you departed Australia and you and your wife were in the heat of what was taking place. I was reading a lot of the correspondence out there. How, how bad was it? How bad was that it, it, at that moment there in, in that market in Australia, New Zealand? Well, we were based in, in Melbourne, which was probably the epicenter of the tyranny, I suppose. And we not only lived in Melbourne, we lived right near the central business district in, in an area of South Bank, which for anyone that's visited Melbourne, very popular tourist destinations where the Crown Casino is based. And it's also a, a place where a lot of the protests would end up walking through. So we had, and we lived on the 38th store, uh, store, uh, uh, level of this apartment complex that had these sprawling views that went about 270 degrees. So there was many, many times that we could see what was going on from our balcony. Wow. And it, it's really hard to believe. And I, it's funny in preparation for being with you both tonight, I was trying to remember some of the more uh, intimate details that were going on. And I wonder if there might be a little bit of PTSD from the experience we had because Melbourne experienced before China, the longest lockdowns of anywhere in the world. And we ended up 290 days of, uh, stage three and four lockdowns. And, and let me let me interject, Laban, and they were very serious lockdowns because I seen the pictures, the videos, and the correspondence that came in here that they were physically grabbing people from the, from the city square and pulling them the hell out. Is that correct or not? No, 100%. And, and in the early, earlier stages of the lockdown, we had a curfew. So from 9 p.m. till uh, it was 5.30 in the morning, we were had to be in our homes. And when you were allowed out, you're allowed out for one hour, one person at a time. Mm. And that had to include the shopping. And then you had to remain within a three-mile radius of your home. So if you can imagine going from having all this luxury and freedom to being housebound, not a, not a great scenario for anyone. In fact, there was probably a period about eight weeks after the, the very first lockdowns that my wife and I, Anna, we, we were stir crazy and we said we need to get out of here we need to get some some fresh air and some fresh fresh scenery so we hopped in the car we drove about maybe 30 miles out of the city and we went and found a remote waterfall there was no one else around and we spent a few hours there and just reconnected with the universe and 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 on our way back there was a a police roadblock Mm. and you know you would think that the police would exercise a little bit of patience but the way that they treated us like we were war criminals and we both received two thousand dollar fines oh my god right (laughs) and and then we're we're sent on our merry way with a very very stern warning and the way they treated us was like second class now did you have to i mean you're shocked me with that did you have to pay those fines or did they get dismissed or is that real or well, here's, here's the honest truth. We rode in and I managed to get Anna off hers, but they didn't let me off mine using the same language, which is interesting. So let's just say, gentlemen, that fine will never be paid. Mm. Oh, wow. Wow. So you were, yeah. Why do you think, now here's the, here's the catch-all on this, Laban. Why do you think they were, the, the, the officials, because the, the, I couldn't really grasp this or understand the why why did they take such a view such a 
a, a hold on things. Well, a totalitarian hold on things. Why were they so aggressive to people? Why? Why? This is only a speculation from my end, but it's a pretty good speculation if I do say so myself. Uh, the Premier Dan, Daniel Andrews, so the, the officially the governor of, of Victoria, right, the state, he, of all the politicians, was probably the slimiest. <laughs> and he, he, he had been, he was very well known for doing quite a few nefarious things long before COVID came around. So I don't know whether these people have been paid off. I suspect that might be the case or they've been held to ransom. But he seemed to run with whatever recommendation he was given from the higher-ups better than any other politician. And the, the way that he conducted himself, man, I've never want, I'm not a violent guy, but I really wanted to punch that guy in the face many, many times just because of how he conducted himself and the way that he, the disdain that he, that he treated, you know, other, other people that, that weren't towing the party line. Yeah. Here in our country, uh, disinformation and misinformation became a whole new uh, vernacular that people were talking about. We never even used those words before this whole episode. And it was the narrative was being controlled by the government. Now, before I get back to and we can relate to how it was there, let me you remember, Dr. McCullough, back, uh, Peter, back in um it was uh, 22, I think. Yeah, it was 2022, actually, yeah. uh, that the Biden administration was actually put in forth. Uh, I mean, really, really, I mean, everybody knows this, a ministry of truth, which shocked everybody. And, and here's a headline back there on, uh, in May uh, about this from The Hill. The Hill says, Disinformation Governance Board to Combat Misinformation. What a scurry headline that is, you know. And it said here, and it's going to fall under the leadership of DHS Secretary Alexandra Mayorkas, the guy presiding over the worst border crisis of our lifetimes, who publicly denies it's a crisis at all, while privately admitting it is, who better to give more responsibility in a democracy that largely rejects government intervention over free speech? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> the Hill writes that. And you remember that lady, uh, Peter, that they were talking about, Nina Jan uh, Jan Jankowitz, was it? Jankowitz, I think, Nina. The, you remember the, she had the funny video, like a, what was it, like Mary Poppins or something like that? You know what I'm talking about? She appeared to be an absolute nut. <laughs> and fortunately, I think there was enough press. We got way ahead of this uh, to, in a sense, give such a wave of unpopularity that the administration decided to, to shut that down. But let me tell you what, this idea of battling misinformation is this is a valiant charge. This has been taken up now by everybody. Do you know there are funded uh, information technology uh, centers at Stanford, University of Washington, Northwestern, and all these graduate students are all being trained to battle misinformation. They're all incredibly well-funded uh, by this biopharmaceutical complex that we describe in our book, uh, Gates Foundation and Annenberg and uh, uh, Rockefeller Welcome Trust. Uh, they're all involved uh, in this, very richly funding these young people to battle misinformation. Recently, the American Board of Internal Medicine sent out their newsletter, their top priority in medicine. This is, you know, this is all internal medicine and so specialists in the United States is guess what? It's not taking care of heart disease or cancer. It's battling misinformation. That's their top priority. So this has now gotten into the minds of people in 
watch out. I think it's really got uh, some legs to it. So if you're battling misinformation, that means one actually takes the upper hand of moral authority, meaning someone holds the truth and therefore uh, your adversary does not hold the truth. And so one has the right then to basically do everything they want to to their adversary because they hold the truth and their opponent does not. Well, and it depends how you define the truth, Peter, right? I mean, it depends whose truth you're talking about, because look at the information you were putting out on media outlets back a couple of years back, and you were censored and you were canceled, actually. You were thrown off media because you were putting data and truth out there, but it wasn't the truth they, these oligarchs and these people wanted to hear, was it? It's true that... Um... You know, I've always said misinformation doesn't exist, that there's simply data and there's, you know, two or more points of view. Even Dr. Drew said this today when he came out on his his somber uh, YouTube goodbye. He said this, you know, simply we're just trying to approximate truth in medicine. No one holds the truth. Yeah. It's not like someone holds the truth and someone else doesn't. Uh, but that false construct now yeah. has really, really been weaponized. And it was the word misinformation came up in the in the English literature around the 1500s. Uh, it was used extensively during Nazi Germany that, you know, the, 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 the military command, they held the truth and everyone else had misinformation. And then uh, 2018, Washington Post had misinformation as word of the year because it was used in partisan politics. Now it's crept into medicine. And uh, boy, has it been absolutely weaponized. Yeah. Well, it's more than crept in now. It's taken a leadership role in medicine. <laughs> I mean, over these last few years, right? I mean, everything that has transpired there. You know, this whole say, Laban, this saying, you know, when people would say there's like your truth, my truth, and the real truth. Uh, and then you hear what Peter's saying there uh, about that. Size that up for us when we talk about the truth. It's kind of fleeting, actually. I mean, then you talk about these people who want to control whatever that truth is. And I like what Peter said a moment ago, two, two data points of view versus the truth. But how do you size all that up? Well, what's hilarious is that all this conversation around Ministry of Truth reminds me of a Simpsons episode <laughs> for those Simpsons fans out there with Troy McClure. And he's and Marge, Homer's wife, is working in real estate. And and Troy McClure says there's the truth and the truth. And he's using inverted commas as he's saying that. You'll have to imagine it. So it's it's beyond laughable because I've been hearing a lot of reports with regards to what's happening in Australia with this proposed bill. There's about 17 days left, I think, where people can actually write in and voice their opinions. And you can you can access that and put forward your views as well. But it, it's it seems like it's crumbling, in my humble opinion. I'm very yeah, you mean the current day, you mean right now? Yeah, like I, I really I know there's a lot of fear and, and um scarcity out there for a lot of people, but I truly feel like it's falling apart. You just have to look at the numbers on mainstream news. You look at the CNN numbers that have dropped off over the last 12, 18 months, ABC, CNBC, like that's an indication that people are being driven to other news sources or other media sources, which is where the significance of what Malcolm Out Loud's doing and, and America Out Loud and, and what you're doing, Peter, especially, 
So, you know, I'm optimistic for the future. That's my thoughts. It's one of those things where I believe the truth will, will burst through at some point in the future and we'll all look back and shake our heads at this, the absurdity of it all. But um, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Well, when you see the government, when we talk about the truth, the government truth, the narrative that they push and they put it out there and they want everybody to follow that lock and step. And this is really what the Orwellian world was all about. The Ministry of Truth was you couldn't have a different opinion. You couldn't define something that was slightly different to alter because they would vaporize you. You'd be gone is what yeah. they would do. Right back there, they, they yeah, in that I, book, I, they'd vaporize I feel, you. I feel vaporized. But, but think how far this has gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, on the cover of some of the major magazines showing a man like a man can get pregnant. Right. So at this point in time, it's almost create any type of fantasy. And if one has the upper hand in this power dynamic, that in fact, that becomes the truth. So we'll declare that a man can get pregnant and let's put it on the front cover of a magazine. We will declare a man can win a beauty pageant like Miss Netherlands is a man. And... Uh, you know, this type of, it's, it's gone so far, I agree with Laban. We'll look back and we'll say, oh my gosh, I can't believe the group think went that far. But I, it hmm. seems like wow. it has some legs to it right now. So if you're saying that, then you, I, I, get, I guess I'm gathering from both of you, uh, and I know Laban, you, uh, so you, you know, you're generally optimistic. And, and talking to you the other day, I can gather that you are. And I think, and I'm optimistic, but I'm also realistic. But you're you're both kind of saying you think that this ugly head that is being shown right now with the Ministry of Truth and the fact that it's controlling everything, I mean, it's still controlling everything. You think somehow we're going to come to our senses and that somehow this gets better? How does that happen? Laban, how does that happen? I, I believe that we are in the, the the middle of a huge and giant awakening. And wow. uh, yeah. um, Peter, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about how well you were received when you were back in Australia just recently, because you were you were on the ground there. So I'm keen to hear from your perspective your thoughts on on what Malcolm's asking us here. Well, after they outfitted me with like 12 security guards. And wouldn't let me move. They were so afraid that, you know, somebody was going to try to kill me. And I kept trying to tell our our sponsors, listen, people just, they just want to talk to some reasonable doctor. And they want pictures and to show gratitude. And finally, they opened up. And I think by the time I got to, to Melbourne and Sydney, I think each program, I took easily 500 to 1,000 pictures. I mean, just it was a big receiving line. People were so grateful. They're clearly becoming awake. Um, I agree with you. I do progressively get more calls from people who want to talk. I had a call last night from a cardiologist. He goes, I just got to talk to you. I can't take, they can't take this anymore. I've been silent uh, all this time and I'm seeing all these myocarditis and blood clots. But it, 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 you know, people keep saying, well, there's cracks in the dam. Um, it, 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 it's going to have to, to flow. We just had uh, a white coat summit on the, the, uh, steps of the Supreme Court is organized by lightning rod controversial Dr. Simone Gold in the United States. 
but they had half a dozen congressmen and senators there making presentations. It just wasn't quote dissonant doctors. Yeah. So I'm hopeful, Laban. But I, you know, I've got to tell you when we look at when we look at key votes, uh, you know, let's say we've got on Capitol Hill 450 uh, congressmen, senators. You know, we get you know just a handful that really are disturbed about the vaccines will say something. We've got a presidential race where we have, we've had one candidate, Robert F. Kennedy, who will really say, listen, the deal on the vaccines, everybody's still dancing around them. Uh, I think we've got a long ways to go. In Australia, do you have any state governor equivalents or anybody uh, who you think um, can move the needle? We we hear, we see Alex Antic and Gerard Rennick and, uh, Broadbent and Malcolm Roberts and a, a few, but you know I was in the Parliament building and I talked to many members of your Parliament. The first thing they said is, "We think we did good on pandemic response." That mm. that's their official line. Wow. <laughs> wow! Yeah, the delusion is strong with those ones. Yes. Um, <laughs> honestly, you know, going back to one of your earlier questions, Malcolm, talking about how could this have happened? This fundamentally, in my humble opinion comes down to the fact that both New Zealand and Australia do not have guns. And, and New Zealand mm. is very often used as a testing bed for technology. For example, in the early 1990s, we had FPOS systems. So the electronic funds point of sale, where you use your debit card. And we had that long before Australia because it was a really good sized demographic to test things out. Australia is a really good demographic to test out lockdowns and mandates and that type of thing. And watching the capitulation of the Aussie bloke just go completely to water when these mandates came in, I had lifelong friendships that were eviscerated overnight over this whole mandate scenario. And they were the virtue signaling up the wazoo. And I just shook my head in disbelief at good, hardworking men and women of New Zealand and Australia that just completely turned. And it's, it was really fascinating to watch, as sad as it was to watch. But I had to let a lot of that go and then find solace in people that were bold and courageous and, and speaking the truth. And so I have no choice in the matter but to continue to voice my opinion, to provide a platform to people like Dr. Peter McCullough, like you, Malcolm, like Dr. Ben Tapper and Stephanie Seneff and all these other incredible people that are so incredibly brave. Mm -hmm. Because even though I'm incredibly optimistic, I'm not saying that we don't need to stop fighting. Yeah. We need to be insubordinate to yeah. this governmental ridiculousness because exactly what you were saying before, they are proposing more and more insanity yeah. and i think people are sitting back at the top laughing down on all of these people that are buying all this garbage yeah so we must continue to fight we must continue to to be brave and courageous and to create miraculous outcomes for ourselves yeah. well that is the voice there of laban ditchburn and uh, first time we've had him on the broadcast excited to have him on and dr peter mccullough here on the voice of a nation friends uh, a couple of takeaways here so far uh, before we get into the uh, further conversation on this. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have to tell you uh, that um, we have short memories. 
we have short memories. Uh, absolutely, Americans. And I'll, we'll ask Laban afterward here if Australians have short memories as well, but we surely have them here. And we forget sometimes the pain point that we were in at that moment. It's funny how that is. It's, it's you know, and we need not to do that. So when Laban says just the, well, I'm not saying we don't start stop fighting. Well, let me even say further, we need to not only not stop fighting, but we need to fight twice as hard uh, to rebuild this thing and to regrab our power back. I would suggest to you that it's more than just not stopping, but we need to double down, as they would say. Uh, because when you think about the insanity of everything that has transpired, uh, it, it is something that you can't really grasp or put. I mean, you know, like when you read that George Orwell book uh, as a kid, I'm sure you all read it in school, in elementary school or junior high school, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, uh, you never would have visualized that this was going to be a thing, you know, like, yeah. But then when you seen, all right, so if COVID was an exercise and some would suggest it is, as someone said, and I and I don't play in theories here, so I'm not one of these. Ooh, you know, it's not Alex Jones hour here. I, I play in real facts and data here. And but the thing is that you know people they forget some of this pain that was there. But you had the government. This is the United States, and here's the bitch of this thing that I would ask Laban back. You know, the United States. Yes, I'm speaking Laban. Just remember, I'm you know. Yeah, I'm talking about the all high and mighty United States government. Yeah, those people. The, yeah, 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 the ones who have the Constitution. Yeah, yeah, those are the cats right there. Those are the people I'm talking about. You better believe it. Uh, those are the people. And these are the people who talk a big story and they, they don't deliver squat. And then all of the, the government is in cahoots with the social media outlets and the oligarchs. Uh, change, you know, penalizing people for telling any kind of truth, just throwing them off of social media, throwing them off of everything, canceling them, and running a narrative down the road on how you should think, what you should believe, what the so-called truth is. I mean, that's more than alarming. So, you know, it's hard to be terribly optimistic today. As an optimist, I would suggest back to you... <laughs> It's it's a little tough to be optimistic today, people. When the sky is falling, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a troubling time. And I think we need to wake more people up to the out loud truth. So I think that's a point of, of context I want to put out there just to frame what I believe is very serious here in this discussion of a ministry of truth. And we're not just talking about a ministry of truth of the of the United Kingdom or the United States, but here's the thing, and, and Dr. McCullough points this out a lot, uh, and he really does. It, it's a global phenomenon, what's happening around the world right now. It's it's weird. It's like it's happening everywhere. It's like everybody's eating this out of the same bowl of Wheaties, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you, you can just see them there. They're all, it's like, you know, what kind of flavor of Wheaties are they all eating, man? Come on, there's got to be more to this thing. You know, you just think, well, I'll just move to another country. I, you know, I remember my wife and I in the heat of this thing when it was so ridiculous. I'm just tired of this BS. She said, where the hell are you going to move to? That I'll move back to Pluto. <laughs> yeah, I mean, where are you going to move to? Well, because it's kind of all screwed up out there. So, you know, so this, it's easy to say I'm an optimist and I get that theory. But it's another thing not to admit that the sky is indeed falling. And we should remember the pain, like pulling off the Band-Aid. It hurts like hell. Remember that scab pulling off. That hurts people. 
That's the pain we need to remember right now. And we need to double down on what we expect. If we're going to remain a free people, this is. Now, if you want something different, then that's a different animal. Then just play along, I guess, is what I would say. Well, listen, the rise of independent media is not lost here with News is the change. This was a big deal. We had planned on this change for about six, eight months, and uh, it was a bit unnerving for my team. I just want to snap my face. See, yeah, let's just be dot news. Just, are you out of your mind? <laughs> what they said back to me. And because, you know, everything was dot com, of course. I said, yeah, but we can do it. Come on, come on. But, you know, there's all the back links. There's all the front links. There's all the various uh, connecting points. And, oh, man, I think they said something to me like, you know, well, Malcolm, come on now. The gizmos attach it to the gasmos. The gasmos attach it to the backbone. Remember that one there? And so anyways, I got my way and we did it. And the dot com will always work, of course. It'll get you there. But it is America out loud dot news. That's the news bulletin today, friends, and happy to deliver it to you. We'll take a quick pause here and we'll rejoin with Dr. Peter McCullough and Laban Ditchburn and continue on with this, well, ministry of truth or what I call it, the out loud truth. You're listening to the voice of a nation. The silent majority has spoken. We say, let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at liberty at americaoutloud.com. Liberty at americaoutloud.com. World class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. With the rise of independent media, we are now AmericaOutloud.news. For the genius of the United States is not found in its executives or legislatures, nor its ambassadors, authors, colleges, or churches, nor even in its newspapers or inventors. The genius of the United States is we the people. AmericaOutloud.news, liberty and justice for all. Welcome back in. Welcome at 8 to the Voice of a Nation. Again, weekdays, friends, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, just after the National Security Hour at 7 p.m. And at 6 p.m. is the Tom Rent Show. And at 5 p.m. is America Out Loud Pulse. At 4 p.m. is the Constitution Study. You can just keep going and going. It is the best, the best programming out on this planet, I believe, is right here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. And now, AmericaOutloud.news, the website, of course. So, anyways, thanks for joining us on the mission here, friends. It's good to have you here. 
And uh, we're, we're talking about Ministry of Truth today. And uh, so I started with Dr. McCullough last time. Laban, let me get you right back into the heat of this thing here a moment here. And this this truth, I, I don't think, to me, I, you know, it's hard when you say optimistic or not optimistic. You know, I, I mean, it's easy to throw that stuff around like a Frisbee. You know, yeah, I'm optimistic today. I'm pessimistic. I'm whatever. I'm a goon, whatever, you, you know, whatever we tend to be on any day. But, you know, we're just kind of screwed at the moment. I mean, and, you know, like what happened here, like like we have this thing called the Constitution here. Like, you know, it's supposed to be something. We have a Bill of Rights. You know, we have a lot of things here that just, they just, you know, pissed all over, basically. And, you know, like Australia had it worse than us. And you guys out there, you were like ground zero for stupid people, for stupidity. How come? You know what? <laughs> this this might seem a little bit uh, controversial, but I fundamentally believe the following. I having gone through my own major health journey, I had an incurable, and I'm using inverted commas as I say that, um, autoimmune disease for 17 years, which I was told by 20 se separate doctors and surgeons that I had to keep taking my medication and nothing could be done with it. And I fixed it in four days after watching an interview with a functional medicine doctor talking about the link between gluten intolerance and heartburn reflux. And it went away, it's gone, it's been gone for six, seven years. Wow. And, and wow. I truly believe, and I'm keen to hear both your thoughts on this, that the dumbing down of the human population, because it's not just in Australia, not just in, a, in New Zealand, certainly in the United States, Canada, Britain, is largely down to the quality of food and water that we are drinking. Wow. And, you know, I don't want to sound too woo-woo, but they, there's been plenty of studies around the uh, fluoride that goes in the, in the water that causes blockages in the pineal gland. And that's, that's our connection to source and a lot of intuition. And when I cleaned up a lot of that stuff, I went mm. from being a pretty left-leaning uh, liberal, I suppose you could call me. I was, you know. Laban Ditchburn was a, was a progressive liberal? I know, I know. I like maybe not a hard left winger, but I, I've, I've completely shifted in my values and my core beliefs. Um, as I got healthier and healthier and healthier. And, you, you, you know, I'm based out of Tampa, Florida at the moment. And, you know, I've, I've spent, I've been to 30 countries. I've lived in six. You know, some of the optimism comes from some of the observations from being in India earlier this year for three months and talking to a lot of people on the ground there about what happened. So I reckon if, and, and, I, and I believe a lot of it's deliberate too, is to, to make people subservient. And you talk about Wheaties, you know, Wheaties is one of the worst things you can eat. As <laughs> it's hilarious. So that's that's my, you know, it may not even be that I thought they made that. Hold on now. They, didn't, they used to show the cover of their cereal. They made you big and strong. Wasn't Popeyes on Wheaties or something like Or they put all the athletes on there, and I know that for sure. Well, right? Caitlin Jenner was on Wheaties as well. When oh, that explains everything, right? <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Uh, Peter, do you eat Wheaties, by the way? You know, I don't, Malcolm. I am uh, very conscious of eating starch. So I take any food and I take the total carbohydrates and I subtract the fiber and I look at the net carbs. And Wheaties has too many net carbs for the old McCullough diet. And, uh, you know, I'm really, I'm really tight on that. But I'm interested in Laban's comments about this idea of functional medicine returning to nature uh, on certain problems like gastroesophageal reflux. And and there's actually a whole panoply of problems. Mm -hmm. 
And the way medicine is gone, it's either here, take a vaccine, of which there's more and more vaccines, or here's a drug and start a drug with no end in sight. Just keep taking the drug. And many are looking at this and saying, listen, there has to be a better way. The breaking point was COVID-19 and the COVID-19 vaccine program. And I can tell you, holistic, naturopathic, homeopathic, uh, integrative, doctors who are willing to consider more than just conventional medicine, they are yeah. hot right now. Well, you are one of the, but hold on a minute now, please, please. You are one of the uh, MDs who will go out on a limb and say what you just said. Now, hold on. A lot of them will not say that, but that makes you, un, I mean, that's not common for MDs to say that. Um, they call them, in fact, in the naturopathic area, they call them the guys with the white jackets, you know, it's sort of like they laugh at it, you know, it's kind of a uh, thing contest back and forth. Uh, Peter, let me ask you this, please. I, I I don't know. Laban said some, and I I'm a little suspect on what he said because I there's part of me that agrees with this thing about the food and the water. I've always had a very sneaking suspicion. First of all, I do believe a lot of the foods, the diet, the stuff we're eating is creating the cancers and the diabetes and the problem. I do absolutely believe that wholeheartedly. And I'm, when you can't even pronounce the ingredients and the 25 syllable words, you know, you're screwed. Uh, when you look at those back of the box, anything coming out of a box is to me a problem. But what about what he, when he says that he thinks that is, could be part of the problem in the way people are thinking or the way they're acting? I mean, could there be something there? I wonder, I don't know. There could be. I mean, these public health measures that were basically undertaken, uh, none of them have been critically reevaluated. And so the one he brings up is, you know, fluoridination of the water supply. This idea of, well, fluoride is good for your teeth. Well, no one's really kind of reevaluated that uh, over time. Is it really? I mean, do you think that every single public health measure that's taken is going to be an A plus. It's always going to be right. Won't some backfire? Uh, and so the examples, there are examples of things backfiring. You know, it took 40 years for doctors to recognize that smoking was causing lung cancer. and oh, causing yeah. heart 40 years. Remember, doctors advertised cigarettes. Yeah. Doctors went through checklists saying the cigarettes were safe and they checked off all the boxes. I remember these commercials. Uh, in the Emperor of All Maladies by Mukherjee, then that was his first uh, book. It won the mm-hmm. Pulitzer Prize. He he outlines the the lead surgeon for lung cancer, this guy from Johns Hopkins. He was smoking during the surgeries as he's removing mm-hmm. the cancers. In the end, he dies of lung cancer himself, and he still doesn't recognize the connection. Yeah, that's so Ma- Malcolm, this idea yeah. that uh, that we're never wrong. Mm-hmm. That, oh, fluoride in the water. Oh, that's got to be the right way to go. Uh, mm-hmm. Give a proton pump inhibitor for a gastroesophageal reflux. And, you know, we're never wrong. Give a vaccine. Oh, vaccines can never fail. They can never have any safety issues. And and to make matters worse, we can never reevaluate. Right. Now, this has come up with uh, vaccines. You, you can't, you know, it, the, according to the official narrative, the orthodoxy, we cannot reevaluate the necessity for vaccines. Yeah. So, and so a vaccine that was you know, considered necessary 50 years ago, let's say diphtheria or pertussis, it could never be reevaluated today. Yeah, 
Yeah, well said. Well, well said. And you're always on the front lines looking for a new answer. And so that's what we need is people that are more inquisitive and getting back to really understanding what science is and not what people like Fauci say science is. All right, I want to throw something by both of you here. Okay, follow me on this now. In some ways, in many ways, possibly in all ways, we are glutton for punishment as people. We just, we continue to do the same thing and expect a different result. And we go back to the well for more, which really rattles my brain. As a, as a for instance, and, and Laban, let me start with you on this, please. As an example, and this is one that um, Peter will surely know about, because take a classic case. They're, they were all the same, Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, uh, the YouTube, the Google, every one of them was doing the same thing. Okay, so I want to speak a minute about how bad it was. So Elon Musk goes out and buys a thing like Twitter, for instance, you know that. Okay. And then he, and I, he discloses that like over the last 10 years, there's a censorship code in Twitter where they have the algorithms and they twist them and do whatever they want with them, which what everybody was saying they were doing, but they kept denying it. The the people before. So Elon buys the company he opens up the front door. First of all, he carries a sink in there. I remember him, the image of him carrying a sink in there, which blew everybody away. And he gets in there to the Twitter headquarters, which he's now calling X, of course. Uh, he's a rebel. Clearly, he's knocking, rocking the canoe all over the place. And uh, he decides to throw stuff out there like the fact that, OK, here's an algorithm we discovered, which allowed Twitter, and they use this all the time, to suppress tweets on certain specific words that they were getting from the United States government, Laban. The United States government were telling these people what to do and not to do. And they were doing Facebook as well. Zuckerberg already admitted this. He said, yeah, yeah, the government would tell us this, that, and the other. He said, yeah, yeah, we were using code words, but we knew what everybody meant and we had to follow along. So you want to talk about a ministry of truth, Laban? Explain that to me. Well, Twitter for me is one of those things that I sort of went through spurts of use. And in the early part of the pandemic, it was very apparent that my posts were getting virtually zero traction. Now, I created my podcast series. Now, for those who are interested, it's called Become Your Own Superhero Podcast. And I filmed them on video and I would replicate them on YouTube. Well, I've had two videos deleted and let's just go back to what we were talking about before. The two people that they've deleted, one of them was Dr. Stephanie Seneff, who is a professor at MIT, who's been studying the link between glyphosate and autism for 30 years, right? She's got four degrees from MIT, including a PhD. Now that video was listed on public. So that was available for everyone to see. The second video that was deleted, which was saved in private. So there's three separate settings when you have a YouTube channel. You can have private, like un, unknown or um, unlisted, and then public. And I interviewed Dr. Ben Tapper, who we all know was one of the disinformation dozen, even though there was 13 of them. And they YouTube deleted my video, which was a backup recording, which is where I put a lot of my backup interviews on private. Just let that sink in for a second. YouTube deleted it, gave me a strike, 
and and even though it was saved as private, so no one could see the video unless you had the specific link. But, and here's the news bulletin for you, Laban. You're not alone. You're not special. I know. <laughs> I hate to tell you, brother, but you're not special. It's part of a very exclusive club, which one of which I'm very proud to be a part of. I will say that. So but the fact Laban, that the Laban, government was doing this, though, uh, Peter, what do you? I mean, how bad? How how sick is this? How, I mean, well, is well, that wait. a ministry of truth? Well, it's it's what Laban's describing is almost like a thought police. So what he's exactly. saying is, wait a minute, you, you can't even just have it private for yourself. You can't think this thought. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's that's all well. That's all well. That's all well. And and um in an instance of irony, one of the proudest moments of my my life to this point certainly was uh, Dr. McCullough after uh, I interview interviewed you on my show. Ever since I released that interview, my YouTube engagement and subscriber numbers completely fell off a cliff. And that was the, that, so that was probably about a year and a bit ago now. And that was the moment that I was like, what is happening here? Because you'd been on Rogan, you'd been, you know, on all the major news things. And I was like, what is happening here? And the, the gift of adversity that I would say, Malcolm, in terms of some of my optimism, it's allowing me to create solutions to these challenges. And, and it's given me some wonderful gifts. And rather than me trying to ram the YouTube channel and grow that when I'm being nah, shadow banned. Not worth it. Not worth it. You know, there's there's better ways to do it. And so then I yeah. created the Rumble channel and, and there's yeah. better ways to do it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You, you, you're just not going to. Let me, you know, people that do that, they keep fighting. Like I get people all the time on our team. They say, you know, they keep getting thrown off Twitter and they keep going back. They get thrown off. They keep going back. They're thrown off. They keep going back. They throw off. They keep. My golly. At what point do you hit your head against the wall and expect a different result? They obviously don't want you there, man. And you see, here's the thing people forget, Laban, Peter, is that Twitter owns that that program. You're not paying for it. You're there by you're, it's an invitation. You're, it's free. You're not paying for it. They well, own it I, and they can censor the hell out of you whether you like it or not. Well, I've got Twitter premium, so I am paying for it now. That well, <laughs> you're paying that eight bucks a month, brother. <laughs> okay, but listen, this this raises an issue, though. Are these platforms, are they common carriers? Are they simply common carriers of information? Or are they curators? Do, do Are they entitled to... Well, the government's curate? not... That's a great question. The government's not willing to hold them to the fire and they give them the pass that they can't be sued. They can't be... They know, they've got a free pass and they're privately held. Many of these companies are and they do what they want. And, you know, they're not being regulated. There's no... And that's and that's what they're doing. I mean, and but, but it's worse than that, Peter. Hold on. Let's not lose sight of something because you both didn't even address that. And that is what I said in our last, we only have a few minutes left here, but in our last thought here, it's not even that bad. It's how bad is it? Government was telling them who to censor. It was telling them what words to tighten the screws on the algorithms. Do you understand what I'm talking about, guys? That, that yeah, basically, you're basically saying government thought through all its agencies, and this is really the Missouri versus Biden case, That's that it. they could change the thought patterns yeah. of people. There's your ministry of truth. There it is right there. It's right there. I mean, to argue that point. Laban, so how do we be optimistic about that? And what's the answer? I guess it's what we're doing. We keep pushing forward and fighting the good fight, I guess. But but it is a real problem, isn't it? Well, what I would say, just you know, as we close this up today, gentlemen, is that I have overcome incredible adversity in my life. 
And I know that the people listening to this show have also had to overcome incredible adversity in their life. And it's, 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 we can't really control what happens to us, but we can control how we respond. Oh, and if Asia. you can yeah. use that as yeah. your, that adversity is your new fuel source and your superpower, get angry, get motivated and do something great. Go and change the world. Go and create your own social media platform that won't be, that's decentralized and, and uncensored. Yeah. Because this is the way that we fight back and, and resist. Laban, that's perfect. You know, listen, listen, that you place to the narrative. You're either a victim or you're a victor, right? I'm into that, brother. Yeah, you got it right there. Now, I endorse every every uh, syllable of what you just said. It's, it's dramatic and it's accurate. Um, Peter, last word. I mean, I think he's right. We can, we do need to do all of those things, but we also, he, and I also, like he said, get mad. I just, and I said at the break, we need to double down and we really do need, we can't forget the pain. Peter, back when you were thrown off some of that media, you remember how upset you were? It was insulting after working so hard and investing time to get the truth out there. And then they throw you away like a bad penny as they did all of us. Um, they controlled the narrative. We need to remember how painful that that scab hurt when they pulled the Band-Aid off, don't you think? It's true, but you know what Laban said is right. The answer is independent media. It can't be stopped. It will be unassailable, and they will come for you, Malcolm. They're going to come for you, Laban, for sure. They're going to come for me again and again. But the bottom line is we can't stop the truth. It's like St. Augustine said, the truth is like a lion. Let it out. It will defend itself. There's no greater time to be alive. Yeah, that's exactly. There is no greater time to be alive. That is uh, perfectly said. And uh, what a what a great, yeah, we could talk for hours here, man. This is clearly not enough, friends. Uh, Laban Ditchburn, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, awesome. These are I mean, it's it's cool when you get to play with awesome people. I tell you that all the time out there. I'm so privileged and blessed to be able to uh, to do this thing. They call it a job somehow. They say, how hard do you work? I haven't, you know, I haven't had a job since I was 15 years old, so, so, distributing newspapers in the neighborhood. But do you see little Malcolm running down the neighborhood delivering newspapers? I did that, man. I did that. But I haven't held a job since then. So what do you do for a living? I've been an independent thinker all my life, basically, you know. Uh, friends, it is about attitude. It, it is about how we address things and where we stand tall uh, with the uncommon winds of life. But, you know, not only do we need to fight forward, but we need to get together as people, like-minded people, and change the narrative. And we need to demand that. That's the fight we do at AmericaOutloud.news. That's the mission here. We're on a mission of good and evil. We fight evil every hour of every day. It's what our, but I need your help. I need your help to share the out loud truth. Please go to the site, americaoutloud.news tonight, do it. Please, and share four, five, six things. Uh, really, and sometimes, you know, put it, put your opinion, your thought on them, and share them on all those oligarchs out there. <laughs> Social media, and let's overwhelm them with a tsunami of information and thoughts and ideas from people who passionately care about life and thy fellow man. Thank you, my fellow Americans and all of our friends around the globe for joining me on the mission here. It's time to get involved and get loud, America.